it is true that people need the Lord. Oh, how we need him tonight as we come to this service. It's hard to get folks to a meeting where God is the only attraction. Folks want something else. They want the benefits of what God has done, but they don't want him. been speaking to my heart about preaching to you in the morning session on the God of revival. Cannot have revival without God. Folks got to find out who he is before you can have revival. We can try it, you know. We work hard at it, but you can't have revival without God. Thank the Lord for this music tonight. You were tuned up. <laughs> Thank you for the music. It does something to my cold heart when I hear folks raising praise to God. I thank the Lord for this church and your faithfulness to the Lord. And as I bring the message tonight, the invitation will be especially on the message I preached this morning on David's mighty men. We must not only follow God, we must follow hard after God. Psalm 63, 8. We must follow hard after God. We must persecute that way after God. If we could get acquainted with him and know who he is and what he's doing, oh, how the Lord do something for us these days. Tonight, Open your Bible to Judges chapter 18. Judges chapter 18. <coughs> At verse 1 it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. If you'll go back, let your eyes drop down on chapter 17 and verse 6. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So in verse 1 of chapter 18, In those days the tribe of the Danites sought them an inheritance to dwell in, for under that day all the inheritance had not fallen unto them among the tribes of Israel. And the children of Dan sent of their family five men from their coast, men of Valia, from Zorah, and Estol, to spy out the land, to search it. And they said unto them, 
Go search the land, who when they come to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, they dwell, they lodged there. And when they were by the house of Micah, they knew the voice of the young man, the Levite. And they turned in thither and said unto him, Who brought thee hither? And what makest thou in this place? And what hast thou here? A lot of questions, you know. And he said unto them, Thus and thus dwelleth Micah with me, and hath hired me, and I am his priest. And they said unto him, Ask counsel, we pray thee of God, that we may know whether our way which we go shall be prosperous. And the priest said unto them, Go in peace. Before the Lord is your way wherein you go. Then the five men departed and came to Lesh, and saw the people that were therein, how they dwelt carelessly, careless, after the manner of the Zidonians, quiet and secure, and there was no magistrate in the land that might put them to shame in anything. And they were far from the Zidonians and had no business with any man. As you look at this passage, you see the danger of careless living. You see it here in verse 7. When they came to spy out the land, here's what they found. They were seeking a place to settle, and they found people dwelling carelessly, quiet and secure, false security, and they had no business with any man. As you think of this tonight, this passage, how they dwelt carelessly, it's before us as a church. Folks live carelessly in this day. We're careless about so many things. But we have a security, quiet and secure, and we think somehow we're going to get by. And God's not going to check us, but he is, my friend. He's going to check us on this thing, an imaginary security. I talk to some folks in the churches, and they're quick to tell me they have a security. But I'm here to tell you tonight that your security is no good unless it's put into practice. Hear me now, there is no salvation in the Bible apart from obedience. Faith is obedience in exercise. If you don't have that kind, you've got the wrong kind. If the kind of faith that you say you have does not put you in a pathway that God has laid down, there's something wrong. But it's not with the Bible. There's something wrong, but not with the Bible. 
quiet and secure. <coughs> and they dwelled carelessly. They knew they had the victory when they came to the land. <coughs> they knew that they had the victory. What did they find? What did these five men find? They found the worshiping of false gods. They found that preachers could be bought. Mike had bought him one. He had a house of gods. He bought him a preacher or a missionary. <laughs> They're selling out too, you know. And they saw the people dwelling carelessly, quiet and secure. They knew they could take it. So they had 600 men and went up and took it. When you grow carelessly in the work of God, you watch out. The devil is watching and he will hit you with everything he's got. And you might have an imaginary security. And the devil come along and knock you over. They had no business with any man. They were isolated. Now let me tell you, because you believe great truths down here in Georgia... There's no reason to isolate anybody. You give the gospel to everybody. You witness the truth of the word of God to any man. God will take care for the rest of it. Mr. Calvin, that folks misquote so much. He said, if you're not concerned about another person, he said, you're not in yourself. And he set the priority of evangelism at the front of everything. Somebody said, well, John Calvin talked about predestination all the time. When the folks tell me that, I know they've never read John Calvin. Luther talked more about predestination than Calvin did. John Calvin's thrust was this, that the Holy Spirit must open your heart. We all believe that, don't we? And of course we all believe in predestination too, you know. <clears throat> when you pray, you know, we're all Calvinists then. <clears throat> Lord, we want your will to be done. Somebody dies, you know, well, God's will was done. So we're all Calvinists then. <clears throat> there they came to the land. They saw some things. Old Micah had stolen money from his mother. She caught up with him, so he gave it back to her. 
he made a fuss about it he gave it back and he said I was going to do something religious with it she said okay we'll do something religious so they made a God and put it along his whole house of gods that's the way a lot of folks take Jesus today they put him up there to the rest of the gods that they got he has no more power than the rest of the gods they have in their houses then he had a son in this account and he made him a priest mom and daddy can't call you into the ministry they can support you they can help you they can pray for you but they can't put you in God's got to do that God's got to do that and you want to be sure that you're in before you run with the message the old colored preacher said uh, was you sent or did you just win <laughs> you'll be certain about that then we won't have so many quitters in the middle of the stream <laughs> if you're certain about it and then a real priest a Levite came along and he hired him Here's what he did. He gave him some money, gave him a suit of clothes and some food. Sound familiar? <laughs> he had bought him a preacher. You can buy them today. They come around, you can buy them. They'll compromise if a little money, if you give them a little clothes and feed them good. They'll tell you exactly what you want to hear. And they compromise in the churches over material goods. We preachers want the people to love us. Oh, to love us. And when the meeting's over, we want the folks to come and shake our hands and tell us how they enjoyed the message. we ought to be brave enough to tell them the truth of the word of God that they're going down to the pit without God and if you live carelessly God's going to check you as his child oh we want folks to praise us if they go to hell we want them to praise us God help us Well, tell folks the truth. If they never come back, tell them the truth of the Word of God. Preachers can be bought today, but not one that God has put His hand on and put His power on. No, sir. Once that God has put his power on you and you know what it is, you'll never be satisfied with anything else. 
<laughs> you can tell them to take the rest of it and throw it away. You can do without it, you know. <laughs> they told me one time, said, you'll never get another church. I said, I don't want a church. If God doesn't give it to me, I don't want it. He gave me the first one. <clears throat> He's given me... <laughs> churches all the time. I tell you what, my little group is a whole lot to be responsible for. More than Frank McGuire wants to be responsible for. It is a great responsibility to handle the word of God before people. Where the gospel comes to put them in heaven, to put them in hell, that's a great responsibility. And where you have a college like you have here that we support, stand behind, promote across the country, you have double responsibility as a church and as a people. All you do, and young people's lives are in your hands as they come, and you're to guide them. Oh, what great responsibility lies right there. Tell them the truth. Tell them the way is not going to be easy, but it's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. <clears throat> so he bought him a preacher, and he paid him well. He paid him well. <clears throat> David Brainerd had been out for a year among the Indians. He received two calls to the most influential churches in his day. Large salaries, nice home, and uh, he would be a popular preacher. And we'd have never heard of David Brainerd. <clears throat> He said, if I could live holy and get souls to Christ, that's the desire of my life. Whatever it takes, wherever I go, whatever I have to do, I'll do it. Oh, you've got to come to that place to serve God. Symptoms of careless living. There's a lack of concern. Great ease in Zion. We can know the church anywhere that stirred up to the place where they come and ask you, oh I want to get busy for God. I want to do something for God. God's been dealing with me and I'm ready to go for him and oh listen there's a lack of concern all over this country. And I tell you what, my heart is burdened to see young people growing up in the churches and God has never touched down and they do not know what it is for God to come and mighty power upon them. Oh, I, I wonder about the next generation. I wonder about this. 
Oh, I tell you what, it's not enough. We better be praying as older folks that God will raise up a generation that knows God and wants to know the ways of God. We live in a generation when men do not know the ways of God and they're not seeking the ways of God. We're in terrible shape. And if God doesn't do something for us, boy, we in trouble, I'm telling you. Oh, that God would be pleased to move one more time among us. A lack of concern. And then, folks that will not listen to God. Old Isaiah rings out and he said, you're careless. He dwelled careless. He spoke to the men. He spoke to the women. He spoke to the children. Isaiah said, you're dwelling carelessly. You're taking the word of God carelessly. You're saying it's just another preacher. And he's sounding out his message. But let me tell you, could it be that God's voice is speaking to you right now about your carelessness? In God's word. A lack of concern. And we will not listen to what God said. Let me tell you this. Those that listen to God give time to him. Are you listening now? You've got to give time to God. If you listen to him. got to ring the bell that's prayer you got to be honest before God and you got to spend time with it but we don't have time for God we got other things to do we better give time to God Personal communion is more important than anything else you'll ever face. Personal communion. How are you getting along with God? That's an important question tonight. Then, a third thing, living only for oneself. They were living only for oneself here. They had no business with anybody else. Concern about number one. That was it. Careless living is seen in a willingness to accept the salvation below the standards of Scripture. Did you get that? Careless living among our people is seen in folks reaching out to grab a salvation. That's below the standard that God has given in the Word of God. It's not scriptural. It's not biblical. It's not scriptural. And folks hang on to it and grab on to it. And they say, well, that's just as good. It's not just as good. It's a sign of carelessness when we reach out to get something less than God has for us. And folks are doing that. 
in this day. They're like old Micah here. If they could just buy him one and pay him off and have him where they could tell him what to do. They love that. They love that. Look over in Jeremiah. Old Jeremiah had an easy time, didn't he? <laughs> All the false prophets came to head in his day. Boy, he had a, he had a easy time, I'm telling you. <laughs> Look at chapter 5, verse 30 and 31. If he wasn't in the prison, he was in the pit. They didn't like him at all. Verse 30, a wonderful, that is a strange and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. Watch this, and my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? He said they're doing falsely. Prophets and praised. And he said the people love to have it so. They love to have it so. Careless living is seen in the second place in our relationship to professing of professing Christians to the world. The Bible says to separate yourself from the world. And separation is still a Bible doctrine. And I'm not talking about little quicks and things that we think up to do and our long list that we might give somebody. I'm not talking about that now. I'm talking about real biblical separation. That when you get in touch with God and you personally know Him, that you walk straight and you live straight. I still believe that's the way the Bible presents it. I believe that. And I believe churches ought to present it that way. We've had a lot of folks come visit us. And they just come in and go right on through. <laughs> they just go right on through. They, they're coming through there, you know, looking it over. <laughs> coming right on through. And I say goodbye. <laughs> The man that got saved, I was telling you about last Sunday. And the little six-year-old girl who had a burden for him, praying for him. It's her granddad. He came on the truth of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> That's pretty good truth to come on, isn't it? And I said, Mr. Cox, this means... That Jesus tells you what to do. He said, Preacher, where does he tell me? I said, Right in here. I noticed last Sunday night he had a Bible. 
Wednesday night he had a Bible. He's finding out what Jesus wants him to do. You will too. You get separated. Now there's a separation unto and from, from the world, unto God. You're separated from, unto. Now if you're just separated from, you'll make a Pharisee out of you. But you're to be separated unto, unto God. Turn over to a familiar passage in New Testament at the 18th chapter of Matthew and verse 20. I read this tonight in connection with this in the local assembly because there are those who miss the truth that's here. In verse 20 it says where two or three are gathered together and we say well we've got two or three therefore you know you have a gathered church (laughs) why don't you read on in my name see it under my authority You do not have a gathered church until you are gathered under the authority of Jesus Christ. That's a gathered church. Boy, that's lordship. That's what they're kicking up the heels about. That's what I'm running into across the country. That's what they deny in here and there and everywhere. Then he says, if you come under my person, my authority, he said, there am I in the midst of thee. He's already there <laughs> in the midst of them. <clears throat> Boy, we don't like this thing of authority, do we? There's a lot of folks perhaps down there in this community join this church, but they got to come under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. They got to come under the authority of the pastors in this church. They got to come under the authority of the Word of God. So what they do is just keep going. <laughs> they come through, they listen, but they keep moving on. Don't sell it short, my friend. Don't sell it short. Christians. <laughs> they call them Christians now. They live like the devil. And they're not separated from the world. I had one of these holy rollers ask me when... When did I get sanctified and separated? I said, are you talking about before I was saved or after I've been saved? (laughs) Are you talking about out in the future? (laughs) 
before you're saved, you're set apart to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sanctification of the Spirit, and then belief of the truth. Isn't that right? Is that what the Bible says? Oh, there's a lot of separations. Folks are missed. And once you get completely separated from the world, it will never satisfy. Never. Never satisfy. And then folks live carelessly in their attendance in the house of God. You'd think that Christians would learn, first of all, to come to God's house. You're right. But they haven't learned that yet. And we must keep reminding them, isn't it a sad day when the preacher is in the pulpit begging folks to come to church? You're right, brother. It's a sad state of affairs when we beg and beg and beg and beg folks to come to do that that God says they must do to qualify. It's a sad thought to think that 95% of those that are being tested will flunk the test. That's right. Faith plus obedience equals discipleship. Read the book. Read the book. Man told me not long ago, he said the only difference between a saved uh, a person's been saved and one that's in the world is that the one that's in the world has made a profession. So that's the only difference. Now if one's been saved, what's he been saved from? If he's saved from his sins, does it involve his lifestyle, conduct, the way that he walks? The word of God says the gospel comes in the ear, goes down to the heart. You confess it with the mouth, but it gets in the feet. And your walk is different. The word of the gospel that declares that God can deliver also has power with it to deliver. Now if that's not true, it's not the real gospel. For the gospel delivers. It saves one from their sins. I testify tonight that that's true. That's so. And if you hear this little penny ante gospel that doesn't save a plea from anything, doesn't require anything, doesn't save them from anything, it's not anything. Not anything. 
as careless living when it comes to evidence that folks are concerned about others going down to hell. They have those they work by every day, those they live around, those that are related to them. They never confront them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they live carelessly. Somebody said, I believe the Bible. I believe it all. I believe the covers. But they're not willing to tell others about it. Oh, listen, this thing of evangelism is something we're short on. The people called Calvinists, and I'd urge you to be active in it and to be witnessing for Jesus Christ. Tell it wherever you go. Tell it that Jesus saves and he delivers and he does and he does. One of my professors at school said he was riding down the road and he saw a sign. It said, spend the night in hell. Went down a little further. There's another sign. It says you're getting closer to hell. He said there was a third sign. It said beyond this curve is hell. There was a fourth sign. It said your friends will join you in hell. He said he came upon it and it was a nightclub. But our friends and our loved ones without Christ are going down to the pit. I don't know where that disturbs you, but it does me. Pulls at my heart. The folks are going to be lost and drop into hell. Hell is real tonight. Hell is real and God's people need to know that. I notice in the Gospels that the truth is dropped in the Gospels. Developed in the epistles. A truth is dropped in the Gospels, developed in the epistles. Until you get to the doctrine of hell and Jesus takes time to develop the doctrine of hell himself. Hell's a terrible, terrible, terrible place. Don't go there. Turn away from it. And then folks are careless concerning the Lord Jesus Christ the lovely the Lord Jesus Christ the rose of Sharon the lily of the valley the bright and morning star how careless they are concerning him I remember that Jesus fed 5,000 with the preaching of his sermon the crowds followed him of course, there was a man with a calculator picking up that it couldn't be done. You talked about money a while ago. All you have to do is mention money in the church. There's always a man with a 
calculator and he's figuring up that it can't be done. Philip was there that day. But he did it. Then he told them he's going to preach, but he wasn't going to feed them. Crowd dropped to 500. Then Jesus said, Go aside and pray with me. And the crowd dropped to 120. Have you ever wondered where the crowd was? That great crowd? Here's the preaching of John the Baptist. And the Bible says that all the cities and the villages emptied themselves, came down to the Jordan to hear it. Talking about crowds. He had crowds. He didn't go seek them out. They came seeking him. The heavens have been brass 400 years. <laughs> Boy, we headed in that direction. Then the Lord Jesus began to preach to send out his followers all over and all over Palestine and think of the multitudes that heard them think of those that were healed John says if I recorded all the things that my Lord did the books the earth couldn't hold the books he said then when you come to the upper room you only have 120 where's the rest of them what happened to the rest of them God's trying to tell us something not all we think going to be in the running hundred and twenty that's all took him serious hundred and twenty I'm quick to say that was enough <laughs> that was enough to do it And then time went by and he sent them out two by two to witness. Now hear this, his crowd dropped to 70. He called for discipleship and the crowd dropped to 12. He's yonder in the garden praying all night. Life and death matters. Crowd dropped to three. He goes yonder to the cross. Crowd drops to one. John is there. Oh, listen to me. Our Lord is looking for those who determine not to live carelessly, but to live on the battlefront, up front, for Christ. What about you tonight? Are you a candidate to be a soldier?
to live faithfully for our Lord. These folks knew they'd won the victory when they looked the people over. Don't you imagine when the devil comes and looks us over and he says, boy, I've got them now. They're talking about camp meeting and they're talking about revival, but they're not willing to get in the place where the blessings come down. I've got them now. They're dwelling carelessly in the land. Oh, they have an imaginary security. Everything's going to be all right. Let somebody else do it. And, and you know, I did it all, you know, back in... Oh, hear me now. And we're not to be isolated either from others. We're to live holy. And we're to be a witness for our Lord. Let's stand quietly.